This is the MFG Cast. Hey guys, this is Kurt. And this is D. Wyatt. Welcome to another episode of the MFG cast, Best Served Cold. I don't know. I I just wanted to say something stupid, and I did, so we're past it. We have another episode. Uh, unfortunately, Paige can't be with us because he's got a sick baby, so uh, apologies that you couldn't hear the sultry, soft sounds of his voice, but I think we can take care of that, can't we? I think so. This episode, we're going to be talking about MFG Classics. Get it? It's like MFG cast, but I put classics on the end of it. Or classics. Yeah, that's pretty smart on my part. Uh, so we're going to be talking about what people consider classics, what we consider classics, some games that are five years or older that we consider classics, and games that are fairly newish that we think that one day will be classics. So, but before we talk about that, let's talk about what we're now playing. Dan, what have you been playing lately? Okay, uh, I figure since we only got the two of us, we'll do a little bounce back and forth here. Ooh, sounds sounds saucy. So, uh, so recently, uh, a couple of my buddies from Jersey, like you know, it's like affectionately known as the Pandemic Group because we did all the Pandemic Season One. We have played many Pandemics together, and we have lost many Pandemics together. <laughs> we have finally secured our first win in Pandemic Reign of Cthulhu. Nice. Yeah. So it only took... And you uh, said it, like you said it nine was impossible. <laughs> Not it was impossible. Just said, I can't do it. There's a big difference. <laughs> um, I think this was like the eighth play I've had of this one. But one of our buddies was like the murder machine. Like, uh, you know, the investigator that can kill all the cultists in one action. Basically the medic with a gun. And we just had it work out really well. There were like only four ancient ones awakened. So we had, you know, we weren't getting handicapped every three minutes. We've had games where three ancient ones awaken, like in the first two rounds. So we, we kept things under control. We managed our resources wisely. I think the secret in that game is use those bust lines like mad. Don't feel the need to hoard your cards. Go crazy with them. And also, uh, Closing Gates recovers sanity. So it's a resource that I think you have to change your perception on. Because your idea is, oh my god, if, if we all run out of sanity, we lose, we lose, it's game over. But hey, if somebody goes nuts, that's okay, because if they're, they close the gate, you're okay now. So things like that helped out a lot. So that was, you know, that was one of the games we got to play in the city. And one of the others is I finally got to play this really cool little game from Yellow called Pyramids. It's a simple, like, you're building a couple of different parts. You're building a pyramid. You're building an obelisk. You're building your crypts. And it works on, like, kind of... Did you ever play Seven Dragons or see that game? No, I can't say that I have. So it's like cards might have, like, two, three, or four colors on them. 
and you want to get chains of colors together because uh, the longer the chain, the longer, like the more the points and your longest chain actually doubles. So say you have like three of the blue stone together, that'll be three points. And then you got like five of the sandstone together. That's five. But say you have like 11 of the white stones in a chain throughout your pyramid, that's going to be 11 points. And because it was your longest chain, another 11 points. And there's a lot of like interesting play to it because there's like, oh, if this symbol is on this card, it's worth more in your crypt or it's worth more in your obelisk. But your building options are dictated by like you're taking turns like choosing uh, like player order for the draft. So if you're the first player, you can do the fewest things. You can only build your pyramid. If you go last, you can build like everything, but you're getting literally the dregs of the cards. Like your choices are what everyone else didn't want. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but it's interesting. It's like a little bit hands management, a little bit uh, spatial planning. Um, it's a 10 round game, so it plays pretty quick. And it's one of those nice like $20 small box games from Yellow. The fact that it's Egyptian theme and, you know, it's like kind of vibrant colors makes it like a nice little filler and it's fit like a new niche that we didn't have before. And plus, you know, Kim's love of all games Egyptian. Like as soon as she saw her, that the like the drafting cards are named after the gods, she's like, oh, I want this. You know, so <laughs> so that was like an instant pick for us. Sorry, I'm trying to see, trying to think of what that game is that. Oh, yeah, it's kind of like Emotep. You know the the theme of it or whatever, and I know that Kim really enjoyed that, so I like that. I like that. That's her thing. <laughs> so I'll see, I'll save my uh, other two quick picks for a little later. So what have you been up to lately? Nice, nice. I will kind of. There's a couple of games in here that kind of will kind of go with our our uh, our theme for the night, but I uh, so I'll kind of save them for later. Also, a game that I actually forgot to mention in our our uh, small box game episode, which actually does not have a box and is probably one of the easiest games to kind of, besides Love Letter, to transport, we were able to finally procure from our local game store Happy Salmon. And uh, we were able to play that, and we actually bought the the green and the blue fish so we could play up to, what is it, 12 players or something like that? Yeah, I think so. Because we actually bought it for Easter. This is how this is how old. <laughs> this is how long ago we actually played this game, and I forgot to mention it. And I was going to mention it for this episode, but man, what a simple, fun concept that I just I'm like, well, no wonder, like they are always like, happy salmon, happy salmon, happy salmon. Have you seen this video? Happy salmon, happy salmon. Like, it's so simple, and if you haven't played it, it's basically. You basically what you're doing is you you have a you only have a set well you have so many cards in your hand and I forget what the how many cards you actually have total but you either do with the people that are around you you either do a fist bump a high five a happy salmon which is basically taking your hands and their hands and kind of slapping each other's wrists kind of like a salmon one two three and okay. then <laughs> uh Oh shoot! What's the other card? I I forget what it is, but basically you're switching positions with the other with another player. So basically, if you've ever played the game Pit, an old school Parker Brothers game, it's kind of like that where you're just shouting. You're just like you're like, you know, high five, high five, fist bump, fist bump, happy salmon, happy salmon, whatever the other one is. Damn it, I can't think of it. 
Now at least I know why in the videos I saw people running around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's funny because it, it's so simple, and yet you would think... It, that's not really that fun, but man, it's, it's so much fun, especially when you're going happy salmon, happy salmon, and no one else is saying it. And you're like, somebody give me a happy salmon, you know, it's like the goal is to burn through your stack, right? Like burn through your deck. Yes. And you always got to find someone that matches your card to do the thing with. Right. Exactly. Okay. And, and, you know, unlike, unlike other games, you're able to put your top card, if you can't find anyone that wants to do it with you, put it on the bottom of your deck. So then you can be like, okay, well, that's obviously not working. So I heard I, I heard somebody else say fist bump. So hopefully you can flip that card underneath and get that fist bump before somebody else does. And they also have a awesome version, too, where you can do it silently. So you give people the fist for the fist bump. You give people a, 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 a high hand for a high five. You give the kind of like the slapping fist or the waving hand in the air for the happy salmon, or you take your finger and twirl it in the air if you want to do the switch. And that one's just as fun because there's a lot of people that when they're doing it, they're like, and you're like, no, you don't, don't say anything. It's silent, you know? <laughs> and, and, and then at the end, when you're done, everybody is so hyped that as soon as you're done, everyone's like, oh, geez, you know, and they're taught, you know, just talking up a storm like oh my god you know this thing i was trying to do this and you couldn't do that and oh my goodness you know it's i don't know i just can't believe how simple and yet how much fun this game actually is would you say that this is a game where when people see it from the outside they're like that looks dumb and then the second you play it you're like this game is awesome yeah and it's <laughs> you know what's funny is like when i you know when i saw that was the happy salmon i was like okay that looks like a game i you know it's just because I didn't really hear anybody talk about it, I didn't know exactly what it was. But then, you know, it it seemed like a fun, simple, you know, just not knowing much about it, you know, it sounded like it was just a fun, simple game for families. So that's what we were like, you know, my my dad was going to come over and then my uh, my aunt and her fiance were going to come over and they've played they've played all the old school games but they haven't really played anything like our caliber like you know a little more crunchier and stuff like that so we wanted to keep it simple but we also needed something that was a higher player count but something that wasn't like I think sometimes you know I think at a point even maybe like code names might have been just a little too much you know yeah so we're like you know this should be easy it's it's not super expensive. You know, so we're just like, well, let's just buy, you know, enough for the 12 players and see what we can do. And everybody had a ball with it. I mean, you know, it's just it's just one of those that, you know, no matter how old or how young you are, you know, it's it's easy to do. It's easy to give somebody a fist bump, a high five, the little happy salmon thing. I, I even picked on people like when we were doing the happy salmon, you're supposed to do it three times. And if somebody didn't give it to me three times, I'm like, we can't do it. We got to do it three times, three times, three times, you know. So it's just... It's silly, but just, yeah, it's brilliant. It's fun. I enjoy it a lot. No, I really want to play Happy Salmon. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those that, like, I even think, like, a good, like, late night when you're just tired and, you know, you you want to have just a, still have a little more fun and you're just kind of, you know, have, being silly. You know, it might even be a fun drinking game. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's one of those games that's good all around for whoever you want to play with, you know. Another game I was able to play is uh, old school 
old school podcaster of the past, Mike, got me a Chris, uh, game for Christmas, and I was we were able to finally play it this weekend, this last weekend, and it's Aeon's End by uh, Indie Cards and Boards. Is that that's it, right? <laughs> I always get the, I always like cards and boards, boards and cards. I don't know. This game is basically think of Sentinels of the Multiverse, except for like a, except for like a fancy thing. So basically, what you do is it's a co-op game. You're using cards to defeat the boss. The boss or boss is usually like a big monster or whatever. They all the monster can also have minions that come out, or it could have powers that they use. Like it uses either one or two times, and then you know, or maybe more because we just this is the first time we played it, so I'm sure there's more with the other you know demons and stuff like that, monsters that you play. And let's see. So minions, powers, and attack. Uh, and you're using aether, which is magic, to you know do away with to do spells, to cast spells, but also to buy different cards that you can do for certain things too. But you also have these little breaches that you use that you can, you know, until until these dials are completely open, you have these four spots that are open for for spells. So you got your first one that's an open spot. So anytime you put a your card spell on there, you can't cast it until your next turn because it's basically you're like you're reading your spell and then the next turn you're actually using the spell. So you use it on the big baddie or use it on the minions or sometimes you can use your aether to get rid of powers before they're used on you. Another thing you can do on these little spots before you open them up so you can use those spells openly is you can you can use, you can pay aether to focus, which is usually like two or three cost and you can turn it 90 degrees and then eventually it'll have an amount for you to open it up so then you have it open for the rest of the game so then you can keep casting those spells but then there's cards that you can buy that kind of you know help different things like you know it can help you know speed up the process you can you can cast spells without having to actually have those spots opened up yeah it's just there's a lot of meat to this and also with your cards too when you have have your hand of cards, you discard your cards, and you decide wh- how you're going to discard those cards on your discard pile. But then, once you're done with your discards, you do not shuffle. You don't flip them. You don't flip them over, shuffle them, put them back. You actually take your discard pile. You fl- flip them completely over, leave them exactly how you have them, put them on your side for your draw pile, and then you draw your cards. So then you can set up your cards as wh- how you want for them to set up for future turns if you can plan it out the right way you know um when you mentioned that to me it almost made me think of that game rococo where it's you don't ever shuffle your discard pile it's just like it reforms and you know that's the order you're going in not too many games have that it's pretty interesting when you see something different like that yeah and another cool thing too is that the turn order is also random so depending upon how many players you have there are two player one cards, two player two cards, two player three cards, two player four cards, and two monster cards. I can't remember what they call it or whatever. And you shuffle those in, and those are the things that those are the things that you shuffle, and then you flip them, and then that discern that discerns the player order. Cool. So that so at one point the the monster could go twice before you even get a chance. You know you you know if you're playing a four ga- player game, there could be a chance that all four players get to go before that monster gets to take its turn. So it there's a lot of different things in this game that just really make a difference. 
every every player has a player card has special abilities and those special abilities you can pay your you can pay aether and you have a certain amount of spots that you can have them charge tokens but also some of these some cards that you can pick up also can get you those charge tokens so that when you use those you can you know continually use those to help like my uh mike's and mine was really a really good combo because my player at one point when i used those when you use when i used my special power i gave anybody four life which was really good and for his he could cancel the main baddie's power or attack ability which is really good, especially when, you know, a lot of these. And uh, another thing I forgot to mention is as you're going through the game, like the point of the game is to beat the monster or have the monster run out of cards from their attack deck, and then you win the game. And the way you lose is if you guys both run out of life or the spot that you're, the place that you're in that you're protecting Gravehold, but they'll have that the place that you're at has a set amount of points, and if that loses all of its life, you will also lose. Like the first baddie we had, it had a deck where when it's their turn, you'd flip over one of their cards, but also it got tokens on it every um, every time you, it told you to put tokens on it, and then if it got four tokens, it struck. So then it had like a big strike ability that would either strike the spot that you're at or you know you. And so it's, it's, there's a lot of moving parts to this game. And the fact that I remembered everything that I did and I still missed a couple things, I'm still pretty proud of myself. But it's a game that, I, like, at first, when I first saw this game and kind of heard about it, I was like, I don't know if it looks that good. And now that I've played it, I'm like, I'm all in. I love it. I think it's amazing. Yeah, it looks really cool. Now, like, when the demon attacks, right, does it attack you, the location, or does, like, a player decide to take the hit? It depends upon the card. So it'll have for this uh, for the intro game. It had this baddie that had its own deck. So when you flipped over its card, you would flip over that thing. And but then when it got the four tokens on it, it also had a strike. So the main card, the deck itself, would do a number of different things. Like it would say, uh, right now it would give any player three hit points, and then it would attack the spot that you're at for two or something like that. Or, you know, it would say like, you know, or, you know, or it would give a and or thing. It'd be like, okay, this thing will, you know, strike twice or you can decide to do this. Like it's, it's a co-op in every sense of the game where it even kind of gives you the ability to be like, okay, are you going to be the one that like takes the hit for everyone and, kind of lets the other people go for it or you know you know how you decide how that's going to work it almost puts a dnd ish kind of spin on it where it's like you can kind of maneuver how the things are going to go and try to do as much as you can because yeah as like like i said as it gets to like i think for the first baddie that we had it had like three tiers of cards so once it got to the towards the bottom we almost like made it run out of cards before we actually beat it which was cool I mean, it, if if Mike didn't have that cancel out the power and attack cards or that special ability or whatever, we would have gotten our. We couldn't have. I I I'm pretty sure we would have gotten just smoked. Yeah, that's that's one of the big things with like a lot of co-op games. The how often do you win factor? Like, mm-hmm. it's it's always good when they put in somebody that's just like, oh yeah, um, you know, I am a god amongst men. <laughs> and I will bring you to victory, but like at the same time, when you get used to the game, if you want more challenge, you pick somebody that 
you know, might be a little weaker or requires a little more finesse. Yeah, and they even have a thing in it too where it says if you want to increase the difficulty. So if you if you get to a point where you're like, okay, well, this was just too easy, then it tells you a way to ramp it up. And you know, and, and it, this game already has, I think, two expansions already for it. So I mean, obviously, cool. Uh, obviously, it says something about about the popularity of it. Yeah. Anytime I see those like for added difficulties, I'm always like, oh, let me win once before I. <laughs> before yeah. I worry about making it even harder. Yeah, no kidding. And before I before I ramble on too much, I was able to finally through cool stuff get Orleans, Orleans, however you would like to call it, was able to play it and I man, I it's funny cuz I've only, we me and you have only played it twice online before I bought this game and played it and I I really think it's up there as one of my favorite games ever now. I it really is. just like as soon as we started playing it, I'm like, we play we played it kind of in the middle of the afternoon, and we we're it's getting kind of late night, and I had a role play that night, and I was like I was like I'm starting to set it up, and Tracy's making supper, and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, we're gonna play again. She's like, no, we you've got an hour. There's no way we're gonna get this done in an hour. You have to role play. I'm like, ah, so, but uh, yeah, no, I just everything about this game is fun. You know, you you would ask me if I was gonna get the expansions. I was like, oh, maybe I'll wait for ten plays. I don't know. I might just get them eventually because I'm just like, this game is just, just too amazing. I really enjoy it. Yeah, and what's nice is um the what's cool about the expansions is, unlike a lot of games where the expansion is here's a whole bunch more shit, drop it in your box, start playing. This isn't that. This is like one of those more modular style expansions. They add a co-op feature. They add additional options one of my new favorite things in um is the like ability to do deliveries where it'll be like you have to it's another reason to move around on the map outside of picking up stuff and building guild halls guild halls like you can actually it's like oh bring two cheeses and a wine to like this city and if you go there and you fill that order you collect that card which is now worth a lot more points than just those goods were but it's I do like that notion of eh, travel is good. You don't have to be building a guild hall every other turn and traveling every turn. Like you can just constant. You can be like a, a wandering nomad and do well. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's funny because you know Trace. This was Tracy's first time playing the game, and she's like, we got towards the end, and she's like. I wish I would have paid attention that we needed to build more guild halls. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I told you that right away. Cause I was like, you know, I was like, make sure that you, you know, I, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of different ways to kind of win this game, but I think, you know, guild halls is an important way to go. Otherwise you lose out. Yeah. Well, and guild halls only mean something if you get that knowledge track up. So it's like, you can just be like, that is true. Eh, books are for those brainiacs. I'm just going to get a whole <laughs> bunch of money and goods. <laughs> yeah. It just ma- it makes sense. It's like you have to be well read and well traveled right? to, to be successful. I mean, come on. And uh, and if you're like, what the hell are they talking about? Go check out our video about Orleans. Here are many many conversations about Orleans. Jamie Stegmeyer <laughs> talks about Orleans, and check to see if it's back in stock still because you should definitely be picking this game up. Yeah, uh, definitely. Not not to give too much of a tip of the hat. There's a really good chance that Orleans is on our the new classics list or uh, or such. Yeah, it might be. Okay. All right, so um, so the last little quick uh, games I got to play is um, I got to play Hardback, which is pretty fun. Nice. I've so, heard- so what's the so what's the difference between what is what makes Hardback a different game from its predecessor? Uh, so the easiest way to describe it is 
a lot of deck builders are loving this synergy of factions mechanic lately. Like, you know, like it's basically from Ascension and Star Realms, the, oh, like I play, you know, an Alliance vessel, but if you play another Alliance vessel, they both gain this ability now. Hardback does that too, where it's like, there's now genres of books like adventure, uh, mystery, romance, and horror. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, if you play like a romance novel, like you know, gain two coins. But if you play another romance novel, you also will gain like another coin or get to trash a card from your deck or you know whatever. And it's like, and much like Ascension and Star Realms, each genre of book has its own like special abilities. Like yeah, ad- adventure lets you put a card into a holding cell that only you can buy it. <laughs> and stuff like that oh so adventurous yeah it's like you're a prisoner of books and stuff <laughs> the two things i like in it is they added ink and ink remover and the whole thing is you can buy ink for a penny or get ink through cards um ink is what lets you draw more cards but when you draw those cards they go straight into play and you put your ink on them and those letters must be in your word but you can use ink remover to put the card in your hand instead. Because if you're like, a Z and a Q, awesome. You can use ink remover to get rid of that ink. Because unless you can come up with like a word outside of Quiznos that uses those letters, if you don't make a word with those letters, you get no points that rounds. Like You can't do anything. The other big difference is you now score throughout the entire game. There's a scoring track instead of those wild cards that give you your points at the end cards give you points when you play them now and lastly any card can be a wild so and the way that you make a card a wild is you just put it face down so it's kind of cool it's like it's a little different than paperback the only thing i really miss from paperback is the double and triple letter cards like the ed and the st and things like that but it's the fact that any card can be a wild makes it a little more accessible it's pretty nice. Like, you know, it's, I liked paperback. Hardback was in stock. Um, I had the excuse of, hey, it's your birthday. You can get games today. Okay, then. So I picked it up while you at the Uncommons in New York City. Again, I love that place. Always so fun. And th- the tipping point was, like, you know, like, I was, like, looking at the price. I'm like, oh, I don't know. The cashier was like, I'll throw in another one of those lattes that you like if you pick it up. I'm like, and deal. Because so <laughs> I am a punk for coffee. So I can't wait for Tim Fowers to come out with his next series, the music series, where he does vinyl, 8-track, cassette, CD. Oh, man, I can't wait. I'm wondering if he's going to make a third deck builder and make it a trilogy and be like Digibook. Or like ebook the deck builder. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds so boring. (laughs) I really hope he does it. And he just flourishes with it. Yeah, because you don't buy cards anymore. You download them using credits. Like on Wordify or something like that. I can see that. Oh my God. Why are we not writing this down? Okay. So. <laughs> trademark, trademark. You can't God, take that. I'm going to see this on Kickstarter in two weeks and I'm going to be so <laughs> mad. <All right. laughs> and the last thing that I got to play, uh, because Deck Builder, Deck Builder, Deck Builder, is Shards of Infinity, that game that just came out. Where Shards of Infinity is, again, very much in the vein of Ascension, Star Realms, and Hero Realms, where you start with 50 life. And you're trying to destroy your opponent. The thing that makes this game a little different... And once again, there's like factions in the game. Where it's like, oh, there's like Wraith or something. Where it's like, this card does two damage per Wraith card in your discard pile. Like, cool. You know, 
like synergy and then there's like life bound or something like that where it's like you gain four life but if you played another life creature this turn you gain eight life instead you know like very you're like i feel like i've played this card before and it's like no this is the first time we're playing shards of infinity and you're like no no i get that part but i feel like i played this particular card before the big difference in this game and it's something that's kind of cool and it's the reason i wanted to check it out so you get like these character templates and it has like a spin down dial for your life so it's a lot easier to track you're not like you're not worried about bumping the table and spreading cards all over and forgetting what you were at but you also have a level and Every character has the ability that they can spend like one buying gem to go up one point once per their, their turn. But other cards will bring you up in levels too. And what's kind of cool is like you might have a card where it's like deal three damage. But if you're level 15 or higher, you deal six damage instead. And you're like, all right, cool. And there's a starter card in your deck where it's like it does two damage. And if you're level like 10, it does three. And if you're level 20, it does five or six. But if you're level 30, it does infinite. So it's like, I hit you for all the numbers in the universe, you're dead. You know, like, if you're level 30 and you get that card. So it's, you know, it's pretty cool. There's, like, heroes that get to stay and play. They have their own life. Just like the bases in Star Realms or just like the heroes in Hero Realms. And You know, it's, it's very reminiscent of those games. Um, price point is fairly close, too. It's like a $20 game. I like the art. I like that the cards tell you how many copies of that card are in the buy deck. Like it does kind of like that love letter lost legacy thing where there's like little dots on the side. So you can know if it's there's only one or if there's four or whatever. The thing I absolutely despise, it is probably the crappiest box I've ever seen for a game in my life. <laughs> it's just like the tray is so recessed and it's like two centimeters high and the cards are in four stacks. Once you take them out of the shrink wrap, it is never going in that box again. Because those player cards don't press down on it or lay it flat enough. So if you move the box, your cards are going everywhere. Oh, jeez. Yeah, and the thing is, like most deck builders, because like there's those wheels on the back of the character card. So if you put them down like with a wheel and those cards are slamming against those wheels, you're going to get edging. So it'll be like... God damn it, I know he has his five damage here on top of his deck. Like, you shouldn't know that, but you know it. Because it has that little line. Because when you bought the game to your friend's house, you looked at your cards and you went, Oh man, this card's ruined. Oh, and it's my favorite hero too. You know. <laughs> uh, there's one twist that they do. Because, you know, most of the times with these deck builders, you get one little new tidbit. The new one is this, is mercenary cards. Where when you buy them, you can, you know, put them in your discard pile as normal. Or do their ability immediately and then put it on the bottom of the buy deck. And that's the only thing that saved me against Kim. I was down to four hit points. I would have left her at two, but there was a mercenary that did four damage. I paid for him. I hit her immediately and she died. And that's the only reason I won and she didn't. So the mercenary mechanic is kind of fun. So, uh, and then the last thing that I played was, um, eminent domain again which kind of bridges us into our concept of these like new classics you know without really going into it like eminent domain is like a great deck builder because it's everyone stays involved all the time and the reason we started playing it again is because after four years an expansion came out for this game again eminent domain i think is about six years old now and it had like two expansions in the first two years 
And then you saw nothing. And you're like, nah, okay. You know, and this is one of those games you see on cool stuff every so often for like $17. You find it on Amazon pretty cheap. Like it's a $40 MSRP game. But they released a new expansion that explores more of the political facets and like manipulating control. And I found it really interesting that after almost half a decade, this game got an expansion again. Because that really doesn't happen in this hobby too much. No, not at all, because they're forgotten by then. Yeah, it's like, you know, all the expansions now, and then we make the second edition, and the revised edition, and the new stuff. Very rare do you see a follow-up to something like that, and it got me thinking, like, Eminent Domain is something I still see at a lot of conventions still, you know? And it might be because of the accessibility, or just because, like, you know, it's quick or something like that, but it it's still lasting. Like it got that expansion because it deserved it. Not just because it's like, look, we got 73,000 copies of this in the warehouse. We got to move these things. So it got me thinking about, you know, like ticket to ride Catan, you know, people are identifying these as like classics now and they've been around for like 10 years and all this stuff. But I think we're seeing like a new Genesis of classics coming our way. So I wanted to look into like, a little bit about like what some of these new classics are or at least like our perception of these new classics some of the games that are really hot right now and like what we think might be new classics and also like what causes the fizzle like what really separates something from constantly coming back to the table and having that staying power versus the oh yeah we did buy that game so anyway <laughs> you know so what would so- Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this question then because I, I'm curious about what you think about it. So, you know, for a game to be considered, you know, like a classic, what are the parameters for it besides being played and see and being able to see it in multiple places? So, to me, the definition of like a board game classic is as soon as you say the name, people already kind of know what it is. You know. Um, even if they never played it, like, you know, I met a few people that like never played Catan and never played Ticket to Ride, but they know it, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it's a box that is always on store shelves. You know, you can, you can still find it. It's not some abstracted $250 game on eBay. It's something that the players that do play those games keep coming back to it. You know, it's not like The Ring where it's like this game sucks and you give it to your friend and it just passes along and, you know. And to me, the other is like, I would say like at least five years, like, you know, like about the five year mark is a good sign of the game has lasting power. Because in today's day and age, like a lot of games get hit, like, you know, get played fast and heavy for like a year and then are never seen again. Yeah, and you get you get those games that like, you know, like Gen Con Origins. Those are like cons are like a big, a big, I don't know, like gauge for like what's hot, you know. But you know what you said, like you said with that fizzle, you know, is it something that keeps burning bright? Is it something that's a nice roaring fire that stays throughout the night, or is it something that you know there's oh somebody left the door open? Oh, guess what? That fire's out now. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, you know, what kind of game is that? But, you know, we kind of talked about this before we recorded, too. Like, these are kind of our opinions, too. Like, regardless of, like, you know, Ticket to Ride, Catan, 
Carcassonne, stuff like that, like, those are considered classics, like, of the gamer, like, the board, ga- true board gamer classics, you know, not the, not the old school classics like your Monopolies and stuff like that. But, um, it, it's, you know, it's all, it's all your opinion, you know, it's like, you know, we, you know, we could consider these to be classics, you could be like, well, you know, just, it's old, it's an old game, but it's not really a game that I care for, you know, because it won't be something that I'll play time and time again. And that's a, that's another thing that I think considers class, uh, to, that really punches in the definition of a classic. It's got to be a game that you're willing to, when you see it, go, yep, I play that again, and again, and again. You know, it's not one of those that you go, Oh, let's see. I'll look at my shelf here. Let's see. Uh, yeah, that one's pretty good, but, you know, uh, maybe I could play that another day. And then you walk by it again, and then you look at it, and you're like, oh, yeah, I might be able to play that again. Oh, but maybe another day. You know, it might, it'd be one of those that you look on your shelf, and you go, oh, man, I got to play this again. I haven't played this in a bit. Let's let's take that. Let's play that again, you know? True. Uh, there, there's one thing I do want to disagree with you on, though. Um, okay. These aren't our opinions. These are facts. We have stated it, and thus it is so. That's right. That's right. Here, here. The MFG cast has spoken. That's right, and you shall listen. Where do we want to start? Do we want to start about what we think are classics that that are, you know, like our old school classics? Or should we go with, you know, where do we want to start with this whole thing? I think it will start with, like, things that we see that are, like, some of the new classics now. And then we'll bridge it closer to today's games. Um, So, like, one example is the game that I've been championing for years, Lords of Waterdeep. (laughs) You see it, like, pretty much at every con. Like, there's always, like, something going on with it, tournament style, whatever. It's the game that a lot of people are very familiar with. You know, like, I find more and more people have played this and stuff like that. And the thing is, the game is actually, like, five or six years old now. It's actually had a bit of time. I do remember them talking about a supposedly another expansion at some point. That oh my was god, that'd be ma- awesome. Yeah, I agree, but that was many moons ago, and I don't know if it's ever going to happen. Mm. But part of the thing is, it doesn't need to either. I think no. I think the game is really good. I definitely would say that the Scoundrel Skullport expansion solidifies the game, mm-hmm. and that's how I always see it being played. Like a lot of people agree, this should have been in the box, but it's okay that it wasn't. But yeah, it, it's you go to a con, you're gonna see it. It's something that again, readily available. You see it everywhere, and uh, there's like a I would say like 95 percent chance that somebody in your gaming group has this in their collection even right now. Yeah, yeah, and it's one of those things like talking about the whole con thing too. It's like anytime you go to a con, you'll see those games. It'll be uh, you'll see that game, and it'll be like Lords of Waterdeep with expansions, Lords of Waterdeep base game, Lords of Waterdeep. You know, it's like. 15, you know, like, throughout a con, be like 15 different games, all sold out. You'll never get to it because everybody is always willing to play that game. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, when I, a lot of times when I see, when I go to a con, like, there will be that one game that I want to play that I want, that I'm familiar with. But also, I want to play that, I, most of the time when I go to a con, I want to play something that I've never played before because you get to play it with people that, Probably know it know it better than if you were to just pick it up and play it yourself, and you know, it just goes to show you that you know with some of these old games, it's like they 
will take up these spots where like, you know, if you go to a Gen Con, you would expect it would it would just be hey, we're just going to keep playing these games that we're trying to sell you because that's the hotness right now. But no, there's a lot of games that you see like you've got the huge Catan and you've got this and that and whatever, and, you know, and Lords of Waterdeep is just one of those that regardless of the fantasy theme of it too, like it's some people see the theme as pasted on. Some of the people think of it as like, wow, it's D&D. It's awesome. You know, I kind of like the whole story about it if you are into it and you actually pay attention to it. But I think it's one of those, regardless of you like either or, it it kind of transcends that because a lot of people have played it. And that's that game and its expansion was the first major gamer game that my wife bought. She's like, I got together with a bunch of people that are some people at work. We played this. I really like it. I really want to get it. And she's like looking at me like, can I get it? And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is your first big board game purchase. I'm elated, excited. Can't wait. Get it right now. You know, and we've and we played it a crap ton when she got it. So, I mean, it just goes to show you. Agree, man. Uh, so do you have a, uh, a title on your list? I think yes, we'll do a little um, zigzagging on this. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, this is a game I haven't played for a bit, but every time I see it, I keep thinking, gosh darn it, I got to go back to it. Uh, I think this came out 2014. So we're kind of on the cusp. <laughs> kind of on the cusp of, you know, where that's at as far as your classic. And I think it's Dead of Winter. It's one of those that, you know, when it came out, people were like, okay, another zombie game, please. We've we've seen a million of them, you know. We've got zombies, we've got Zombicide, we've got all these other games, you know, it's like we don't need another zombie game. But this game kind of brought the... I'm playing a board game of popular TV show. Why can't I think of it right? Walking Dead. I was going to say Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Who, nice. But it's like, it's the intensity of... Walking Dead, the TV show, the comic book, but in a board game. It's one of those where, like, when you're playing and you're running out of supplies, you're running out of life, you're running out of situations, more zombies are hitting, you get these oh shit moments. It's like, we're gonna die, you know? And it's a board game, you know? You're not, you, you got little standees, it's whatever. But, it's like, you know, you've got, oh, my teacher died. Awesome. Well, hopefully I can, you know, get another car and flip this over. Oh, it has a dog with a cape. Boy, can't wait for that to die so I can cry my eyes out every night when I go to bed and think about that. You know, so it's just one of those games where when it hit, it hit big. And it wasn't one of those where it was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Oh, yeah, it's kind of it's a zombie game. It's, you know, kind of a kind of a cool like the new thing. And then it's out like. You know, people just really are just still into it. They're still coming out with expansions for it. It's just one of those that I, it's, to me, it's one of a kind. And it's one of those that will never leave my collection. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like, even if it's a game that only gets played like once a year or like twice a year from your collection, I would still say it it fits. Like, I can see that being the thing that around Halloween people are looking for. Like, oh man, that's right. Can't wait for our Lord, like, you know, our yearly Dead of Winter game. Yeah, and it's one of those two that, like, when I think a true, fun, like, really 
band yourself together co-op game, I think uh, Dead of Winter really sells that because it's like, you know, like they even have like even when you're doing when when you have the uh, who's the guy that's going against everybody? The, yeah, the, like uh, the traitor, like the the traitor. Yeah, yeah, whatever. It's like you still have to like. Okay, well, I'm kind of with you guys. You know, here's oh, I put a thing of fuel on here. Oh, yep, yep, here we go. You know, it's like. You still have to kind of play that co-op game, even though you're trying to be the traitor. You know, it's so it. I don't know. It just it's every mechanic of it is just amazingly fun. And just thinking of it, I'm like, man, I just I need to play it again. Yeah, it it, it is a good one. And you know, it's funny. It's like, you know, there's a lot of like things that it edges from. Like it's a touch of Shadows Over Camelot, a touch of this, a touch of that. Like a little, you know, but the way it presented itself i feel like gives it a really nice uh a really nice hook all right so what's next on the list all right so up next we got uh Gricola and based on page's nomination caverna uh classically known as misery farm and the cave farmers so these two games uh the iconic european tile farming style game but you know they're they're staples, and they had enough time and enough of a pedigree now that people are familiar enough with the two of them to compare and contrast. And again, both of these are usually seen at cons. Um, Caverna carries a slightly higher price tag. Agricola is like usually a little bit cheaper. The only thing that I worry about though is Agricola recently had that rebirth through uh, the Mayfair banner, and now that Mayfair has kind of become a, a distant memory i don't know how that's gonna go but i can guarantee you that agricola will still be seen and i'm more than willing to put a few dollars on a wager that caverna will also still be available i will talk about a game that i actually just played this weekend with a bunch of different other things but uh well a few other things that we talked about but um it's a game that again we talked about (laughs) when you talk about uh, Agricola and Caverna, you're like farming fun. You know, it's like it's so f- so funny to think about some of these games. It's like, you know, like with the zombie theme and stuff like that. It's like, it's kind of it's a cool concept, but like put yourself into the into the shoes. It's like no, nope, no, nope, no fun. You think about Agricola and you think about Caverna. Uh, no, nope, no fun. You know, like if I were in that in those shoes, sorry. I apologize to farmers. I'm sure you lead exciting lives, but that's just not for me. Apologize to the um, dwarves too. They deserve it as well. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. In Power Grid, basically you're just energy economic game where you're just going from city to city. You're powering up these cities. You're trying to cast a bigger net of what you're trying to power up. I mean, it's really simple. It's a bidding game too, where you're you know bidding for different power plants. And those power plants, you know, use a different, uh, different resources to power them up. So it's like garbage, coal, oil. Buh, 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 buh. What's the other one? I think like tur- uh, wind energy, right? Like turbine. Yeah, wind energy, garbage. Did I say garbage already? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's the other one? Coal. What's the red one? Why? What, no. What's coal, the red one? Oil and nuclear. Yeah, the nuclear energy. But yeah, it's just one of those things where you just. It wouldn't seem like it's it's that fun, but like, you know, the like the bidding aspect of it, where it's like, okay, you know, obviously I want this one because it's got wind energy and it doesn't cost me any resources, and I can power up, you know, two cities. So it's like, okay, 
So I really want to get that one. But how much do how much more do I bid? So if it's like worth, you know, 18, do I want to bid that 18 or do I want to bid up, you know, 22 so the other person doesn't outbid me and get that, you know? Or do I want to try to play mind games and say, oh, you know what? I really want this one. So I'll bid a couple extra dollars and then they'll bid one more extra dollar and say, ha ha, I have you. And then you flip over another card and it kind of goes into that that spot of uh, power plants that you can buy. And you're like, oh, what? This one's much more. This one's much better. And I can pay just uh, just about the same amount or less. And I get a better power plant than you do. So... Yeah, it's just crazy. We just we played it the other day. Um, the one that we have comes with a double-sided board that has U.S. on the front and Germany on the back. And we, we played both sides. And then the other day I decided that I wanted to get the Russia and Japan, actually. So we got the Russia and Japan map, which was actually super, still fairly cheap. It was like $13. I mean, it's a board, which, you know, it's like... It, I guess it it would kind of seem like it would be that expensive, but for how amazingly beautiful that the that the boards actually are, and how cool it is to be like, oh, this will be kind of fun to see, you know, and be able to like, wow, I didn't realize that this was here, you know. It's like you're learning this geography that like I'm terrible at geography. You tell me, you give me a globe and tell me to point at something, I'm like, <laughs> I'll spin it and then blindly point it and go, that's it, you know. So. But yeah, Power Grid is just one of those games that just it's it's a it's pretty much a simple con- concept. It's something that I think it says it plays you have to be 13 and older. My son at 7 can play it. I mean, we kind of help him a little bit, but still very easy to play, very fun to play, and I've enjoy- I enjoy it every single time. I think I feel like I'm get- like I enjoy it more the more I played it. So, nice. Now, um, now my next one is going to probably be bridging the gap between the new classics and the, like, our speculative soon-to-be. So do you have anything before uh, that, or? um, Do I have anything before that that we haven't really talked about? I'll just throw a honorable mention kind of in there because it's, it's, it's a game that's somewhat older that I still I find it very fun, and it's gotten a few upgrades to it. But and I I feel like it doesn't get the attention that I I think it deserves and that's Takedo. Um, hmm. you know it's one of those that it actually fits in those kind of classic games because it's it's older it's not as well known I think as other games are unfortunately, but I still think it's 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 one of those that's visually beautiful. I love the concept of making making the trail you know make nice quiet path to the end you know. And you're, you know, trying to set collect and stuff like that. And it's just, I don't know, just everything about that game is tranquil and and makes me feel, I don't know, it makes me feel at peace when I play it. And it's sometimes it's nice to do that because sometimes board games can be a real, like, nail biter or, like, you know, can really kind of get under your skin if you're not playing it the right way. But this one just really, I don't know, I just, it really just hits home and I like it, so... I need to give that game a spin because everyone I know says that thing is like so relaxing. And there's a few days after work where I can use that. <laughs> you have not played this game yet. I have not, but maybe okay. now I'll download the app tonight because you uh, you give it such praise. Yeah, I'll, I you know, don't ever don't buy it. I'll buy it for you. I'm just gonna say that right now. Awesome! I like the way that sounds <laughs> even more. <laughs> That's how much I endorse this game. 
Uh, and also in a similar vein, uh, in honor of my buddies uh, George and Ed, if it's not already defined as such, I would like to state that on this day, Pandemic has joined the new classics. Just straight up good old yeah. Pandemic. Nothing special. None of the, you don't need, like, you know, birth of a thousand new worlds of gaming, you know, with Rising yep. Tide, Cthulhu, and all that other stuff. But uh, just straight up Pandemic, I'd, I'd still say, you know, that that might become the new family game for yep. a lot of homes. Yeah. And it's funny because because of the concept of it, like it's not a family theme, yeah. But apparently, it's just one of those games that you can play. It's a good family game, and it's one of those that you can play anytime. And it, that was one that was actually on my list, but I thought I just thought it was just excuse me. I just thought it was so obvious. Yeah, I, but it, it might not be. Well, we stated before that you know this is not an opinion. This is fact. So I just wanted it to be etched <laughs> in the, the annals of history here. Um, that is true. So the title that I have that I would say is kind of like bridging the gap. This one is only four years old. That's why I'm saying it's in that in between. But Orleans, if if it can stay in production, this game has potential to be TMG's year after year game that can keep coming back, keep seeing sales. Just they need to just keep it on shelves. They can't yep. ever let another year and a half go by where you can't obtain this goddamn game. Yeah. And I, I know that there's a lot of things that go into reproduction and stuff like that of games. But, yeah, it's just one of those games that, like, I didn't know how much I needed this game. You know, you're just like, well, you said if you found out that it was coming out, you'd let me know, you know. And then you got a, you're part of the TMG newsletter and you told me that, you know, they'd be looking at, you know, making another run. And I was like, well, I'll just, I'll go to Cool Stuff. I'll tell them that's on my wish list. And finally, when I got it on my wish list, I'm like, holy shit, it's here. It's here. I can get it. I can get it. And not for $100. I can actually get it for 50 bucks and be happy about it, you know? Yeah, it's one of those that when even when I found it on Cool Stuff and I'm like, yes, I can't wait. I can't wait, you know? I uh, was going to share it on a board game group that I'm a part of on Facebook and People are already doing it. You got to It's here. It's here. Get it. Get it. Get it. Get it. Get it. You know, and with that many people going, oh, we need to get this. Oh, I love it. I can't wait. You know, I've been wanting this forever. It's like, obviously, there is a love for this game, and it should stay in that vein where people can get their whole get their hands on it. And I feel like it's hard with TMG for some reason for them to have that because it's. You know, it seems like there's only a few games that it's really easy to get your hands on. But then there's a couple of them where it's like, all of a sudden, it's just like, okay, wh- why can't I get this game? Yeah, true. It's like, you know, it's so funny because uh, you mentioned that, and I saw something similar in one of the groups, too, where it's like, you know, when there's a post that this game is available to buy, and it's not brand new, and it's not just off a of Kickstarter, and there is like 270 comments, you know, it's like, yes. Please keep publishing this. Please keep it coming back. You know, do not let this thing lapse again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so you know, I mentioned this is like on the bridge here between what is like the new classics and what we think to be the soon-to-be classics. So, this this is the thing where now we can like kind of put a little wager on this. Like, this will be our uh, <laughs> prediction credibility here. But I'm I'm gonna come out of the gate just swinging for the fences. I think terraforming Mars is going to be a year after year game. You know, people love this game so damn much. It's still, you know, people still scooping it up, playing it at cons, coming up with ideas, 
you know, I, I can see this game going long. I know there's two more expansions coming out for it. I'm almost kind of getting worried about the expansion growth. But I yeah. know this is Stronghold's, like, strongest-selling title currently and has been for the last year. So it's not surprising. I just don't want what makes the game great to get watered down. Hopefully it won't be. I have I have a fear of that myself. Like, I, I love Stronghold games. I really do. But I think that one of the problems they have is that when they find something that they're in love with, they go a little too much all in. Yeah. They're kind of like that. They're kind of like that kid that's kind of like, oh, I got a piece of candy. Now I need every candy. You know, it's like, hold on a little bit. Maybe we can back up a little bit. We don't need to get, we don't need to make this like, we need, we need, we need. You know, maybe, you know, especially with the whole Terran Forum of Mars thing you told, like, you're talking about, like, you know, we don't need those two expansions right away. Let's do one. And then maybe after a little bit, then maybe we'll throw that other expansion in there to kind of, you know, get everybody excited about it eventually. You know, if you come out with it too much, I think it's it like people aren't going to be able to enjoy the base game by itself yeah. in its full capacity before they get to that. You know, where there's there's some people that will buy it and buy the expansions and just play the crap out of it right away just because they're the, excuse me, they are the collectible fan that just is like I have to have everything you know I love this game I have to get everything so yeah I I have that fear also you know so it's like I you know I don't know so what are you what would you say is one of your predictions of a soon-to-be classic I think uh one of mine is something that we uh it's a game that we just talked about recently with um Mike Young from Plan B Games I think the Azul is going to be one of those abstract games that year in and year out people are just going to be in love with and just play over and over again. I think that uh, with Azul, that's another one of those games, just kind of like when I, t- when I talked about playing Orleans. As soon as I get done playing a game, I go, I really just want to play this again. And there is not that many games out there when I get, just get done playing a game that I want to play it a second time right away. You know, because there's yeah. just so many things out there. A lot of times you're just like, okay, we're going to play this, then we're going to play that, and then we're going to play this, and then we're out. You know, where this game, it's just, it's got a lot of good strategy. It's very simple to learn. It's very simple to play. But it's, to me, I think it's still very hard to master. And I like that concept of like, I could play this 10, 20 times and still have a unique play every time. And the way that they made this game, it just intrigues intrigues me, and I just love it. So, I, I will say the double-sided board gives that game a little more breathing room. If it was only the straight-out tile style, it'd be like, oh, this game's pretty good. But the fact that the the open board gives you a chance to paint yourself into a corner... And be responsible for your own loss is like, no, I need to play this again. I need to get better at this. I need to have like the analytical mind. So another one of my soon to be's, um, even though it's only two player, I think Seven Wonders Duel is gonna find its way into a lot of homes. And I think uh, I think it's gonna be a game where people have to laminate one of those scorecards because they might run through their pad over the long run. <laughs> this thing has really climbed up the ranks of the BGG rating. 
And you know what, man? I, I love this thing. The, the time, the speed of play, the little bit of intrigue and everything. It has like enough room that another expansion might be able to work its way in, but it's not needed. I feel this is something that it's such a small amount of cards. The pool is manageable enough that after a few plays, you'll start remembering and you'll start hoping. Like, you'll be like, okay, the wheel is in error two and three. So if I get the wheel in error two, then in error three, I can like maybe hopefully see it. There's a pretty good chance it'll be there. Like, you know, you can start making those predictions and plans. But like I said, I, I know like usually, you know, like player count is a big thing. But hey, chess is one of the uh, the all-time classics. You know, Othello is a classic. Seven Wonders Duel might be, I would say, a, a new-gen two-player classic in the making. Another, another two-player game that's fairly recent that is one of those that when you first see it, you think, everybody says that's fun, but that doesn't sound like fun. Patchwork. That's, it's one of those games that, you know, when I think of, you know, making patchwork quilts, I'm thinking, I'm sure for the people that actually like doing that, it's a blast. For me, doesn't seem like that much fun, but this, that game, again, it's, I feel like, I feel like I'm on a theme here where it's like simple to learn, easy to play, very difficult to master. Yeah, it's it, it's almost kind of like Tetris, you know, where it's like, OK, now do I want this piece to go here? You know, and do I want to get these, you know, I'm going to get these buttons, which are my currency. So I want to try to get as many buttons as I can. But my quilt is just a mess. <laughs> you know, It's like, OK, am I going to be able to score these points that I really want? You know, do I really want to do that? You know, and then you have you get those uh, little one square patches that like those you really need those for the game to really, you know, make a great quilt, you know, to score a good amount of points. You know, it's just, it's one of those games where when we first bought it, we actually bought it at a con. And it's one of those, again, you see it being played at cons all the time. And we started breaking it out and we're kind of like, oh, uh, when we first try, tried to learn it, we are you know, we were still kind of struggling because, you know, it's just like any game, you kind of figure out, you know, kind of what's going on. And a guy just walked by. He's like, oh, patchwork. Great, great game. He's like, let me teach you. Okay, sure. Go right ahead. Teach us this game, you know. And, uh, you know, he was able to show us every little thing, you know, and put it there. And then he's like, if you have any questions, I'll be over here. You let me know. <laughs> I was like, cool, you know. And, you, and, and we even had people that would walk by and be like, what are you playing? You know, and be like, oh, this is patchwork where you, you know, do this, this, and this. That looks fun. Yeah, we they have it over there. It's fairly cheap. Oh, I might go check that out. You know, it's just like, so, you know, it's it's just another one of those games where it's like, you know, when you say that, even if nobody's played it, you know what that game is. So I think it kind of gets into that character, that, that creeping into that category of a classic. Yeah, I can see it. I am curious with the... Um... Like the trilogy of polyanimal games that he has, like Cottage Garden, and then I know Indian Summer came out recently, and I know there's one more in the works. I'm wondering if Patchwork will still be like readily available and everything, or if he was like, no, 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 that was just my launch pad for these, uh, for this trilogy. Like, 
four games using these random shapes would be too many, but three makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, I think they, he even came out with, I think they even came out with Patrick Express, I think, too. Yeah, I think that's in the pipeline. Or they're coming out with it or something like that? It's coming out in the future here? Yeah, I think that's in the pipeline. It sounds interesting, like a little bit smaller, um, smaller board, smaller everything. I'm like, that sounds pretty cute, actually. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. So I wonder if if that'll be something where that will replace it, or if that will get, you know, if it'll be like a kickstart into the, you know, into the the main game you know it's it's hard to tell true so one of the others that i got is uh code names um i know Paige also suggested this one as well and uh i'm glad to see that you know great minds think alike (laughs) it's you know it's like a simple accessible game but there's enough variety in it like there's like the codename disney and marvel to play with your kids and there's codenames duet just for like when there's only two and the classic code names and code name pictures. But what's cool is all these can be mixed and matched. Like you can just combine these like crazy if you want. But it's just it's something again, it's simple, it's accessible, it's a nice little filler. I find it keeps going in waves. Like you know, every like you know, a couple of months at the board game group, somebody would be like, Anyone want to quick play code names? Like, you know, just at the end of the night or while we're waiting for other people. And I can see that keep happening for time to come you know yeah definitely um another one that i i really like and i think that it might be one of those two that has the possibility of the old too much too fast kind of thing but i still really enjoy it it's clank by renegade games true i I like that you know the base game by itself is phenomenal because you've got that double-sided board where you can play you know, two different versions of it, but doing the add-ons of the Mummy's Curse and Sucking Treasures, and if you want to have a kind of similar, if you have a, you kind of, you know, possibly have that similar experience, but apparently not as not as similar that a lot of people like playing them both with playing Clink in Space. It just has, it just has a, it's another deck builder, but it's got, it's, it, it's weird because it doesn't feel like there's anything that's super unique about this game. It's I'm not trying to say that as like a is a downer, like a down thing, but it's like I can't pinpoint what makes this stand out from other deck builders, but it just does it well. And it's just a fun like get in, get your stuff, get out, don't be caught, but also you could die or get, you know, beat, but also, you know, make it above ground, and then the the people kind of still save you, so then you're not completely gone, you know? I think the thing that gives it that feel, though, is that it may not do anything unique, but it does everything so well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It just, it never feels clunky. No. No. Yeah, it's very streamlined. It's, It's weird, because... With a game like that, you think you would find something that you could kind of complain about. And I really don't find anything about that game that I can say is a negative. I mean, really. I really, you know, besides the the whole thing talking about, you know, maybe coming out with the other stuff too fast. But, you know, maybe it's something where, you know, maybe that is that still keeps its longevity where it's like, okay. Now we've got these different modules basically to play with the game that 
you know, hey, if we get sick of playing the original Clank, maybe we can throw some sunken treasures on, play that a little bit, and then once we get sick of that, Mummy's Curse. And they can kind of just keep making, you know, little expansions as they go to kind of upgrade it. You know, maybe it's something where they, you know, kind of change it up. You know, they throw something that kind of, you know, uh, you can put the sunken treasures on, but then you can kind of add this little sideboard or something like that to it. You know, it's got it's got that accessibility where it's like, yeah, again, it's it's streamlined where it's you know, it, there's no there's no faults in it. It seems like one thing that I do think is cool as hell is the um the mummy's curse. Uh, you don't play the board as a standard board; you actually turn it into a diamond because it's the pyramid and then the crypts beneath. So nice. visually, it's just like, you know, people are like, that board is crooked. And you're like, no, no, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, Look closer. So so you mentioned Clank, and um, I figure since we're tipping in at the hour mark, this will be a good chance to uh, segue to the last part, which is, like, the games that I'm a little, like, you know, less sure that they'll become these classics. Because, like, I agree. Like, I think Clank is great, but I'm, like, I'm, like, just thinking, like, five years from now. You know, because the thing is, I notice very few deck builders last like legendary definitely, you know, still keeps going, but not too many others, you know, like Arctic Scavengers is a game from like ages back that I remember when they had that reprint coming out, people were like, oh my God, the reprint. And then the reprint came out and it sold out and then it went right back into you'll never see this again. And I was just, like, baffled. I was like, damn, I was like, so many people wanted this thing. Why did they, they stop? And I'm wondering if it's just, like, if deck builders have a hard time getting there, mm-hmm. you know, is, like, maybe because, like, just the wear and tear on the cards or just maybe the idea. Because, like, you know, we were talking before, Shards of Infinity and Star Realms and Hero Realms and Ascension, where it's, like, I feel like deck builders is definitely a field where it always seems to get better so I don't know if people always want to go back to the thing that was. Yeah. Yeah, and it feels like deck building was a thing that was huge for a hot minute, and now it's not as hot as it used to be. Yeah. And um, so, like, one of my things that is the, the maybe factor for me, and um, I did neglect to mention that I feel like Splendor is kind of like one of the new classics, too. Like, that game has... It has a little more of a history than I thought. Like, it's been around for about five years, and a lot of people still play it. It's very accessible. It's, you know, you find it on Barnes and Nobles and Target and Walmart. Like, it's in all these stores. And a lot a lot of people are familiar with Splendor. Like, Century Spice Road is the question mark for me. Like, I think the game is amazing. I like it ten times more than Splendor. And I'm curious, like, 2020... Oh, my God, just even thinking about that year is making my bones hurt. <laughs> but 2023, are we going to be doing Century Spice Road still? Yeah. And it's funny that you say that because that was one of the things that I was possibly going to put on Classics to be because uh, originally, if you listen to past episodes, my first taste of this game, I was not as huge of a fan as I thought I was going to be. Is one of those when I first played it, I was like, well, there's really not a lot of strategy to this, and there's really not as much as I thought there was. I don't know what I was thinking. We played it again not too long ago, and as we played it, I was like, wow, this really does have a lot more meat than I thought it did. 
you know, a lot more decision making. And it's one of those that's like, you know, w- yeah, like you said, with Splendor, like, you know, they're both similar concept, but, you know, they do their own things. But yeah, do you know, does Century have that, you know, that lastingness? Yeah, it's it's weird because I really enjoy playing it now. I, it may be something, maybe you know, maybe next year, you know, maybe it's something where it's like, okay, you know, by then we'll have one, you know, we'll have wonders, and we'll have, you know, possibly have the third, you know, game out or whatever, and it's like, okay, you know, with these other games that are part of that trilogy or whatever is it something where we're going to be thinking about that game or are we going to be thinking about these other games like oh these games are kind of cool now you know they're kind of an upgrade from century spice road yeah and um one of the others that i had on my question mark list too is like sagrada versus azul Mm -hmm. both are super popular like puzzle style games right now but i'm curious if like in two years from now if something's going to come out where it's going to be like Dude, do you like Sagrada? Yeah. Do you like Azul? Yeah. Throw those games in a fire because Blarb Blarg came out and it's yeah. the greatest puzzling thing you've ever played in your life. Like, you know, I know I'm not sure. I don't know. Like, I really enjoy mm-hmm. these games right now. I'm hoping that they are because, you know, it's fun to play with Kim and it's like it's fun at two, it's fun at three, it's fun at four. I'm hoping these games have the lasting power. But I'm also curious, like, if only one of those two get to make it to the end of the finish line, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. I have a couple of games that I just kind of threw out there. Like, you talked about Codenames being your, you know, classics to be or whatever. Um, To me, I wonder if this is going to be a game that's kind of like, you know, your small box game that you have a couple of different versions of. It it makes me wonder if it's going to be like your munchkins or your fluxes. After a while, it's like, okay, we've seen these, you know, let's go to the next thing. Speaking of certain types of games that just keep going on and on and on, I wonder if some of these huge Star Wars games that we've had that, you know, that everyone's so excited about. And so much money, too. Like, Yeah, yeah, just like, oh, here's the... Slave one. Here's this. Here's that. You know, will there will there be a time where, you know, eventually people are kind of phased out of that and want to go to the next thing, or maybe even go to something, you know, a Star Wars game that's simpler, you know? Yeah. Like the Destiny dice. Like, is that going to be around and uh, yeah, stuff like that? Yeah, it's one of those things that like everybody was just like, oh, this is the best game ever. Blah blah blah. We got to play it. I still have not played that game. Uh, it it's one of those that's like. You know, I have my Star Wars games. You know, I don't, I don't really think I, I need that right now. Like, I love Star Wars, and I, I love to play anything Star Wars. But it's like, you know, Imperial Assault, that was like the game for me. And I know there's Rebellion, and I know there's Legion, and you know, all these other games. But it's like, after that game, it's like, I don't need another one. You know, yeah. unless it, unless it's something that really just wows me and goes and makes me think that I need this. And then lastly, I put a game that's super-duper popular right now that I wonder will even be a thought in anybody's head next year. I mean, seriously, Gloomhaven. It's one of those that, like, just everybody is just like, yes, yes, yes. It's on Board Game Geek. It just pops up, pops up, pops up, you know. I wonder if it's one of those that, after a while, people are just like, wow, you remember that? That was a game. You know, that was a game that, you know, really 
you know, people were just so psyched about. I mean, it was a lot of money, but it was a lot of gameplay. It was a, a really interesting concept. But, you know, is it something that people, you know, three, four years from now go, wow, that is taking up a lot of room. Boy, <laughs> I you know, do I need to play that right now or do I need to sell it to somebody that will give it some love? Yeah, I that and Kingdom Death Monster, I feel like, those are like the game games where it's like that's 50% of your gaming time if you're into them. That pick actually kind of ties into like what my final guess is just like legacy games in general. You know, like Pandemic Legacy is something that I think like a lot of people should do and give a spin. But the question is like, you know, years and years from now, does Pandemic Legacy Season 1 still have a purpose? You know, if there's like Legacy Season Four out, you know, the what's the chances that they're still gonna print Season One and Season Two and you know things like that? I mean, you probably heard they're doing Betrayal at House on the Hill Legacy. A, they're making a Ultimate Werewolf Legacy, where the town will change and all these things. And like, yeah, these ideas are interesting, but like you mentioned with Gloomhaven and stuff, where it's like once it's done, it's done, and. I think, like, as time goes on, it'll be harder to start certain legacy groups because once somebody has gone through them, it becomes almost like an obstacle. You know, it's like, hey, you want to play Pandemic Legacy Season 1? No, I already did that once. You know, so now the person might be less encouraged to buy it because one of the people they wanted to do it with has no interest in it. You know, that's, like, part of the thing that, like, when we were talking about Charterstone a while ago with Jamie, the fact that... When it's done, it becomes like a still changing board game as opposed to the end of an era. And I'm curious if like other games will be able to incorporate that in some fashion. Or is it like, you know, this concept of these games that when you're done, a couple of years later, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that stuff. Because I feel Mm -hmm. like they won't become the classics. Maybe like the timelines, like the exit series might keep going on and on. But you'll never be like, man, that Pharaoh's Tomb one that was the exit let's do that yeah. again and you're just spinning yeah. the wheel getting the answers without even looking at the puzzles you know <laughs> yeah yeah i think it's it's a it's a moment in time other than a classic basically like i think the legacy aspect is like wow what an awesome thing and to get in it on the ground floor like the people who want to play those games are going to play those games. There's going to be hardly, there's going to be a few amount of people, minuscule amount of people that go, Hey, it's 2000, whatever. It's 10 years later from pandemic season one. I found a copy that, you know, was in my, that was in my local game store that just got forgotten and I never played it, so I'll pick it up. I mean, there's gonna, you know, there's probably a, only a certain amount of time where those older legacy games will be, you know, something that anybody would possibly want. I just, I think that it's a time frame thing. It's yeah. like if you don't get it within a certain time frame, I don't think it's gonna be. It, you're not gonna play it. True. All right. So with that realization that. Uh... All these memories are just fleeting and passing. <laughs> or at least some of them. But uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, what other people think? Like, uh, is, you know, do you want to back any of our horses here on what we thought would be uh, soon-to-be classics? Do you disagree with any of our new classics? 
you know. <laughs> I mean, like, you can hate Agricola, but you can't argue that you know what it is if you hate it, you know. Yeah. I'm just, like, curious what other people's opinions are on this because, you know, this was, like, something that was pretty niche for a while, and it's growing and it's growing, and, like, now, you know, you're seeing more games, like, even on, like, television shows or, like, you know, mentioned in movies. You're seeing more posts about it. These Facebook groups are growing and growing every week. You know, it's like the numbers are swelling. It's, you know, we're in like a new renaissance of it. And with each like new flux of, you know, like idea and investment in this, you know, certain things become staples and become like new strongholds in there. So I'm really curious what people think about these picks and uh, if there's anything that they nominate as well. Yeah, definitely. So if you if you have an opinion about that, please let us know at MFGCast on Twitter uh, we have also have a Facebook page. Come get in the conversation because we like to know what you think about that too because maybe there's some uh, soon-to-be classics for you or some classics that you really enjoy that we haven't played yet. So it'll be kind of fun to check out. So until next time, thanks for listening. I am Kurt. And this is D. Wyatt. And this was the MFG Cast. Legends of Tabletop Podcast. Creating legends... One die at a time.